Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. All right, welcome in, welcome in, guys. It is June 7th, 2022, Tuesday night, which means it's time for an episode of, what's the hat say, Building the Broncos. I am Nick Kendall and joined by, as always, good friend and co-host, somebody who I've been doing the shows with the longest, man, dating back to the 2017 draft, Carl mm-hmm. Dummler. Carl, how you doing? I'm good, man. It's uh, I keep seeing you talk about the, the rains out there in the Northwest, yeah. and uh, we, we got dumped on with like three inches the other night. Wow. And the next night, an inch, and it's looking like another couple inches tonight. So I, I, no I get your feel. That's what she said, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have an atmospheric river coming. Well, it's apparently it's going to be category five. What does that even mean? Lord knows. Um, but uh, we're getting by. Um, today, the sun was out today. The, the Mount Rainier was out. It was a glorious day. I'm still on the, the high uh, from the blue skies. We had the first one for the first time in a long time. So real excited about that. Real excited for Michael coming in here. Good evening, Broncos country. Good to see you, Michael. And uh, also, Michael, getting us off started hot in here. Talk about the sun out. Uh, good evening, Nick and Carl on Building the Broncos. Let's ride and go Bronx with the $20 super over on YouTube. Thank you so much, Michael. Uh, he also, uh, Jeff Noyce, coming in with a $10 super, flashing yellow on us in here. Uh, says, hello, Nick, Carl, Dylan, and Broncos country far and wide. Hello to you, Jeff. Hope you're doing well. Uh, Michael also says, beckoning the Broncos is off to a great start with Kim Becker. Must see on Wednesday morning. Let's ride and go Broncos. Yeah, she's... Uh, I'm glad she's not competing with a time slot with uh, Scott and I because she's doing such a good job over there. So don't want to take away from uh, our audience because she's doing so good. No, it's really awesome to see Kim get the platform and uh, be uh, more featured in uh, the Mile High Huddle going forward. So uh, make sure you're checking that. Also check out Thomas Hall. Thomas just had uh, Carl Mecklenburg on his show on Friday morning. So a lot of good things going on there um, on the obviously the Mile High Huddle network. Uh, But anyway, Carl, you said mentioned earlier. I'm just going to bring it back to you. Gymnastics were starting today. Is that what I, is that what I heard? Right. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. Three of my kids, we got them signed up for gymnastics because they are flipping around. I told you a while ago, one of them did a roundhouse kick on another. 
we figured we better get them in a controlled environment. And uh, so they, they went there. They were on the uneven bars, the uh, the balance beam. They were doing flips. They were doing a little bit of everything. It was kind of crazy to watch for a, a beginner's class. I'm like, man, these guys, they, they hit it hard right off the bat. And uh, both my boys were excited because they're the only boys and it's a bunch of girls. So they get to show off how strong they're doing pull-ups on the uneven bars and trying to do all these flips and the splits and everything else. So it's kind of, it was kind of fun to watch them get to go do that. And uh, my, my dad was for a long time. And so it's kind of near and dear to my heart, gymnastic and always love it with the Olympics and everything else. And so, yeah, my kids loved it. Want to go back and, uh, and see what happens from there. Well, awesome. That's really good to hear. I am uh, glad to hear you're exposing them to a lot of different types of sports for their inevitable pathway towards American football when they're going to be, you know, starting cornerback tandem for the Denver Broncos or something. That'd be <laughs> great. Um, or wide receivers, right? You're a wide receiver guy yourself. So uh, EJ's in the house. Good evening, Nick and Carl and Broncos country. Good to see you, EJ. Uh, we also have Chase Wellner coming in here. Go to your home ball uh, with the, obviously, the happy Gilmore picture there. We appreciate you, Chase. And uh, we also got U.S. Dave in here saying, uh, Team has been lethargic since Super Bowl 50. Well, hopefully there's some re-energized uh, people in the Valley there, in the clubhouse. We'll get really excited about that. Uh, Jeff asking me, Nick, how's your car? Uh, wait, no, it was uh, Michael asking me, um, how is your car doing? Car's good. We're ready to drive across country from Seattle to Iowa with the two pets on Saturday and Sunday this week. So think of us. Uh, God, send us your good energy because that's a long trek. Uh, Mike S also in here saying, what's up Broncos country. Good to see you, Mike S and Ernie, the one, the only Ernie hey. Mays. Hello friends. Go Broncos. Good to see you, Ernie. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's get into it here. We wanted to, we've been touching on the press conferences, obviously that's going on and just what's going on in OTAs in general, but somebody that I think, I don't want, I don't want to say that I'm the captain of the bandwagon of this player, but somebody that definitely had been saying this guy's a really good player. For a number of years now, Draymond Jones took the podium today for the Broncos and uh, had God. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite interviews um, for the Broncos because that dude is authentic. You know, some people can kind of get, you know, Russell Wilson's corny, cheesy, blah, blah, blah. Some guys giving the PC answer. Brett, uh, you typically are good for one really authentic soundbite per press conference from Draymond Jones. So I really appreciate him just more and more as the season progresses. Yeah, my, my favorite was they asked him if it was tough to to go up against Russell Wilson, and he said no. And they said, well, "Why is it not tough? Because I'm a good player." <laughs> like just you know, just to have that kind of confidence built into him, I, I almost say it's bordering on arrogance. But if he backs it up on the field, hey, who, who's to say uh, that he's not right there? Because like I said, he is an up and coming player. Really, he's already arrived. Don't think mm-hmm. people know what he brings to the table. Those interior defensive linemen, they don't always get the recognition that they they should unless you're getting that $30 million contract like Aaron Donald. But uh, but you know, he is. He I'd say borderline top 10 for an interior defensive lineman. Work on a little bit more consistent with his rush defense, of course, but his pass rush it, it, around him, that guy could really explode onto the scene, especially with an offense that can so, yeah, I, I'm excited to watch him this year. I'm excited for him to get on that podium some more. You know, he also talked about the, the differences in coaches. We'll, we'll get into that more as we go into the uh, – yeah, he just – you're right. He's very authentic. He doesn't hold anything back. He's just kind of like, I'm going to say what's on my mind. I'm not going to always give the PC answer. And, and that's kind of refreshing to see every once in a while. 
Yeah, I mean, he believes in his ability. Um, you do have to wonder, you mentioned it earlier, that's something uh, Aaron Donald, obviously getting the two-year, $30 million a year contract, and Draymond Jones, with how he is speaking of his own ability, you'd have to think he is licking his chops uh, for what he can do this season uh, with a team that should have better pass rush options around him than he's had for the most part in his career. Obviously, Von Miller's been dominant, but uh, outside of Von Miller, Bradley Chubb's been hit or miss. The other guy's you know, been fine. Shelby Harris was a good player for us, but should be better this year, especially because of what they have on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, so definitely somebody that uh, you should be excited about this season. And I want to pull up the exact quote here from, uh, I saw it was Zach Stevens over at uh, DNVR had it um, saying that, uh, where did he have it here? Uh, that the Draymond Jones saying, okay. Uh, Draymond Jones said if uh, he doesn't find it more difficult to go out, get after Russell Wilson in the backfield, despite his athleticism. And he says, why should I? I'm good at football. So oh, he said it isn't. So it's um, again, love the confidence there from Draymond Jones. And uh, Draymond Jones also said something in his interview uh, today, a press conference uh, that uh, really resonated with me. And I want you to kind of expand upon this as well, if you can. Um, he said that uh, Dray- it's not all about sex. It's about being consistently disruptive. So can you walk us through that? Cause I do feel like I see some people, especially in social media, not you fans here in the joining us in the community. Cause you guys are smarter than that, but maybe some people kind of confused. Why is, why is it not all about sacks uh, for somebody like Draymond Jones? Why would he say that? Well, I mean, sacks are, they're a stat that can kind of fluctuate. I mean, Von Miller had his highest sack total, his second year in the league, that 18 and a half. And everybody was like, Oh my gosh, this guy's going to go break the record. And he's going to be up there at those kind of numbers. Well, most of the rest of his career, he was around, 10 to 12 kind of thing, you know, a little bit, a little bit down from there, but uh, it just kind of shows those numbers will go up and down, but usually pressures, that's where you're going to see kind of a lot more consistency or growth in a player. And, and that you're putting pressure on a quarterback. It's where you can get the turnovers. It's where you can force teams to have to really dictate how they play you. You know, Von Miller, again, because of the pressure that he could bring, he might only get 10 sacks in a season. But teams are still every single time they're game planning going, we got to figure out a way to stop this guy. He can completely destroy game, even if he doesn't get a sack. And, you know, there's one play where I saw Aaron Donald. I think he was blocked by four guys. Yeah. You know, sack, but he's completely changing the game because of what he brings to the. And, and so, yeah, if Draymond Jones, if you can go get those pressures, especially up the middle where you're really changing the eye line of quarterbacks. And you're really making them hang through when they get to that third step and their three-step drop or five-step drop or whatever they're doing, that somebody's going to be right there. They're they're hustling a little bit quicker. They're maybe getting that ball out there half a second faster before the receiver's ready or you know those kind of things. Or they're overthrowing a guy. They're having to throw a little bit higher up. You know all those kind of things play into it. And, and so that's where pressure play can can matter. You know I think of Shelby Harris. He didn't always do the, the best at getting pressure, but at the same time, he was disruptive and he arms up. Mm-hmm. So those throws over the middle became a lot more of a problem for teams because how do you complete that when you got a guy that's got these long arms sticking up there, making a quarterback have to put touch, get in there as fast as possible. Yeah, I'm really excited for Draymond Jones this year. I was a little bit. I wouldn't say concern, but what would the defense line look defensive line look like in a post Shelby Harris trade? Because you mentioned, you know, Shelby Harris maybe not always getting the most pressures or sacks, but part of that was, from my understanding, from what I could uh, gather, 
a scheme because he was tasked with a gap and a half where Draymond Jones more so was gapped or schemed with a singular blocking. And Carl will be right back, guys. He's uh, going to restart his computer to hopefully be a little bit clearer there. But Shelby Harris would be more of an occupier with Draymond Jones getting a little bit more one-on-ones. Now, you still see some gap and a half from Draymond Jones, but not to the extent of Shelby Harris. Um, and with DJ Jones here, doesn't possess the length of a Shelby Harris, but should be a very good run stuffer, get some attention there. And uh, we'll be really interested to see how Ajiro Ivaro uh, schemes him up this year. I'm really excited though uh, for Draymond Jones. I'm one of my favorite players on the team and uh, should be in for a big year. I don't think he's a superstar interior defensive lineman, uh, but he's bordering in that top 10, top 15 does a position that doesn't typically get the accolades or the splash plays. So, uh, you guys in here, be the more educated fans. Um, really start to sing the praises of Draymond Jones because you'll look smart a year from now when he gets cash when he cashes in on a big contract because he's going to get paid. Uh, Andrew Baker coming in saying, sup fam, sup to you, Andrew. Hope you're doing well. Uh, he says, and Nick, Carl, and Scott, a lot of talk for who wins the West, but with all these elite quarterbacks, what is going to be the deciding factor in the West? Man, this is a really good question. I'm going to have to, I mean, gosh, you can go a number of directions. Coaching obviously is one that sticks out to me right now. You'd have to give the heads up to Andy Reed. We talk a lot about uh, quarterbacks. Also, I mean, you already say there's a lot of good quarterbacks in here, but there's a big difference between being a top eight quarterback, being a top 12 quarterback and being a top four MVP uh, candidate winner uh, level of quarterback. So um, probably in the end, honestly, it's going to be who, who's the healthiest and uh, which quarterback has the most dominating season. Um, but factors that yeah, I think are going to be really big for the Broncos. You're going to have to watch out for this year, other than obviously health, uh, because knock on wood, Lord knows on that one. Sorry, nobody's here. Don't want to freak my dog out. Um, but uh, obviously the defense going to be the big one. I would say that right now on paper, the Broncos either have the best defense or the second best defense in the division. Uh, the Chiefs, I would put them third. Raiders, obviously last. The Chargers on paper should have a good defense this year. Uh, Joey Bosa is really good. Uh, Cleo Mack, obviously, they've spent a bunch of money on the interior defensive line. And you're going to have Derwin James. They're also, they got a number one cornerback in J.C. Jackson, which they haven't had there for a number of years. Uh, I guess since uh, Hayward kind of started to step back there. Um, but overall, I think the Chargers and the Broncos will go head-to-head for the best defense. I trust Brandon Staley's defensive scheming slash prowess more than Azura Evero just because Evero is such an unknown. Uh, but that could be a big one. And the last one here um, for me with uh, finishing off Andrew Baker's question, offensive line, who's offensive line, which team has an offensive infrastructure in place where the quarterback, this quarterback's going to go through ups and downs. I and mean, we saw a Patrick Mahomes last year. He looked human against the Broncos every time they played, but they could lean on that defense, lean on that offensive line to win them games. Which teams are going to have different avenues of winning football games outside of putting it on the quarterback every time. And a lot of that is going to come down to the, uh, the offensive line. So uh, Carl, quick question. Since you're back here, you look crystal clear. I could kiss you. Um, look out. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, what avenues outside of quarterbacks do you think could decide the West this season, given how quarterback dominant this division is? Well, I'm, I'm thinking, the tackles could be a huge part of, of what happens here in the AFC West. Every team has good pass rushers, offensive tackles, specifically. Yes. Offensive tackles. Sorry. Yes. Yep. Um, you know, I, I just, I saw earlier today, Orlando Brown for the, the chiefs, he was talking about how the chiefs can't afford to have a backup left tackle this year. So he's talking about getting his contract done. Like they can't afford not to pay me. And uh, I thought that was a really funny way and interesting way for him to go ahead and word that. And, and he's right you can't afford in this division because one big play could 
decide these games and one game can decide the entire division. And, and that's why I'm saying these tackles, you got to have two solid tackles on both sides. Cause you can't sit there and say, Oh, they've got this one pass rusher. We can double team them. No, that each team has two great pass rushers from, from what I can see, uh, you know, if they can all yeah. stay healthy. That's always the, the caveat here with all this. Um, so I'd say that's going to be one of the biggest deciding factors. What about you? Uh, I just ran through it with the, uh, these guys, but oh, okay. I said, obviously injury is going to be a big one coaching staff. We don't know about, um, which team has the best defense and which team has the best offensive line, um, different avenues to win football games. Uh, but I mean, God really in the end, it might come down to injuries and that's just unfortunate, but, uh, sometimes it breaks that way, the wrong way or the right way, uh, for the Broncos, not cheering for injuries for anybody. Um, putting it out there, uh, Phil McLaughlin coming in here. Good to see you, Phil. Thank you so much for the super, uh, the stars here over on Facebook. Uh, hope you had a great weekend. Uh, Phil comes in and says, good evening, Nick, Carl and Scott, Nick, I made the drive from Seattle to Des Moines with a nine month old baby girl. Oh my goodness. You just aged me like 30 years. Just reading that. Uh, it's a long haul. That's uh that sounds like a long haul. I drove across country with a eight month old puppy. Uh, but he was actually probably the best passenger. Um, didn't make a peep. Didn't have any accidents. He was, he was great. It was actually pretty shocking. So, uh, Oh man, it's the fact that we have to drive there and then drive back. Um, so it's, it's going to be a lot going on. Uh, have a lot of different things planned as well. Some fortunate and unfortunate, but, uh, yeah, we'll keep going here. want to say hello to some more people coming in here. Uh, Jeremy's in the house saying, what's up guys. What's up to you, Jeremy. Hope you're doing well. I saw my guy, Dave is it, David's in here. Uh, good evening, Nick, Scott, Carl, and good evening, Broncos country. Good to see you. Also, David to Dave from Georgia saying evening, Broncos country. Good to see you. Um, and uh, Clee also saying Jerry Judy seems poised for a breakout season. I don't know if this is tongue in cheek with the word break here, considering he has a, what, a contusion or something going on there, or strained something. Um, but uh, hopefully Jerry Judy is in line for a breakout season because that would be great things for him and the Broncos. Yeah, for, for a lot of different reasons. You know, if you're thinking of possible needing more draft picks, I think he could be one of the top guys for trade possibilities after the season. Or just if he has a great season, you're like, we don't want to lose a top-tier player. And if he and Russell Wilson can develop some chemistry, I mean, we, we've seen what he could do in college. When he has a little bit of chemistry at the quarterback, that guy becomes one of the most dangerous players in all of the NFL. And yep. uh, so, yeah, it's exciting to see that. And uh, I hope this injury isn't something that lingers. It sounds like it's a hamstring. And whenever I hear that with especially wide receivers, cornerbacks, that, that gets a little tricky. Yeah. It never quite gets back to what it was. And it, you, you always think you can come back because it starts feeling better. Yeah. I, I pulled my hamstring once in college playing football. And it's still not right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it was, it was bad. I mean, it took me about six months because mm -hmm. I'd finally start feeling better and I'd go, Oh, I can go running. And I take one wrong step and boom, I'm right back to where I was in the beginning. Hmm. So they, they just, they, they're one of the toughest injuries to figure out. And I, do you recall this um, Jerry Judy coming out? Uh, we had some conversations about some people in the league having concerns about his frame uh, specifically in his lower body. Cause how his, how jerky his movements is on top of his, I don't want to say scrawny. That's the wrong word, but just how thin his knees, his legs, his ankles are. And we've now seen, you know, multiple, uh, this one obviously isn't that serious. Hopefully it'll be okay soon. They're just playing it, uh, cautious, but, um, some concerns about him, even potentially being off some team's boards, uh, with the body type he had, because they thought that, uh, sustainability and durability would be an injury with him. Am I, am I, that's stands well, out to me. Yeah, you're right. I remember there was some concern about a knee that mm -hmm. there was something there that they were thinking was going to be degenerative as he moved forward. 
could and be. with his could, could be could be yes yeah. um and so like you said i think there were some teams that were very hesitant of wanting him as their top receiver on the board for that that year in the draft and um so it, it is definitely a concern his style of mm-hmm. wide receiver play like i said with those cuts on those knees and ankles and everything else you need all those to be perfect and yeah. we saw last year when he came back from injury he like he was a good player but he wasn't the same yeah. He wasn't making quite the cuts that he was before, which was and, to be expected with the high yeah. ankle sprain, the, yeah. the severity that he had. But uh, pulling out for Jerry Judy, going to put you on the hot spot here one more time, Carl. Um, I, we, I know where you stood uh, in that draft process. Um, you were all about CD Lamb uh, was your wide receiver one. Me, I said, you know, I really wanted speed at wide receiver, but I, what I really wanted was Tristan Wirfs, which, man, that would have been. Uh, Shelby Harris, why'd you have to block that two-point conversion? Um, I digress. Um, are you still uh, C.D. Lamb, number one, if you could redo that right now? Uh, I guess, I mean, the obvious choice would be Justin Jefferson. Um, yeah. He's been the best wide receiver out of that class, but uh, C.D. Lamb was more in the conversation there. Yeah, I, I think you'd go one to those two guys at this point. Yeah. I mean, Justin Jefferson, he has been outstanding, a lot better than I thought he was going to be. I, I thought he was so, so surrounded by talent, which, I mean, Jerry Judy was too, so I guess I can't say too much there. But uh and I just like he was good at everything, but I just didn't think Justin Jefferson was great at anything. And I, I missed that. I mean, he just have all that those skills where he's good at everything that you can do whatever you want on the field with him and he's going to be successful. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably Justin Jefferson one CD lamb two at this point. Yeah. Oh, man. Either way, we're going to be talking about Jerry Judy like that next year. We're manifesting it right now. Um, <laughs> Travis Weber coming in saying, good evening, Nick, Carl, and Scott in Broncos country. Good to see you. Um, we also have Darian P. coming in saying, uh, is it more important to have interior pressure or pressure from your edge rushers? Okay, man, this seems like a really simple question, but it's actually really complicated um, to get into it. If you can get a guy who can get consistent pressure on the interior at the rate where an edge rusher is getting pressure, the interior guy is way more valuable. Uh, because those guys don't grow on trees and you'd rather have that. I mean, it's just, it's the simple fact that you have more room to roam, right? The further from the edge, you're playing against space and then a tackle where you can go a lot of different ways to get them. An interior player has a running back that can step up. You have quarterback and less maneuverability, but you can double team almost every single time against that interior guy. So um, there's a reason that edge rushers are typically drafted higher. It's because those athletes that teams tend to put those type of athletes out there further because they're going to be able to make more of an impact per snap because uh, they're going to have more room to roam. It's kind of this conversation that we had this offseason with uh, Trevon Walker, right? He almost played a uh, straight up five technique over that offensive tackle. And uh, if they put him out at seven or a wide nine, he might have had a lot more room uh, to maneuver to get after the quarterback. And we kind of saw that also with uh, Jermaine Johnson, uh, who was with the Florida State Seminoles, uh, transferred from Georgia the year prior, moved out and all of a sudden had what 12 sacks in the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. So, right long way to answer your question here and you'd rather have a dominant interior pressure guy. Uh, it's harder for the quarterback to deal with. It's more disruptive, but it's much harder to find a guy that can do that. Right. It's kind of the, would you rather have Aaron Donald or TJ Watt? Aaron Donald. Yeah. What about miles Garrett? Are we talking about like their age right now? Are we talking about, uh, we're, going we're just forward? talking straight up play like one season. Oh, definitely. No, Aaron Donald's the answer for everything. Okay. <laughs> unless they're, unless they're a quarterback, there's no yeah. other player. Right. I'm, I'm with you. I think interior pressure, if you can find that unique player that can actually do it on a consistent basis, like you said, you want that. It's a, a shorter distance to the quarterback, the ability to get pressure in the face. I mean, it makes everybody else 
else's game that much easier. You know, the edge guys, that quarterback has to sit back further. You got an easier path to get to the quarterback. I, I always talk about this with the, the 2012 season for the Broncos. They had two great edge players. What did the, the Ravens do? They said, let's just step up in the pocket. They got no interior pressure. We can really eliminate these guys if we want to. Just force them to, to always have to take the outside route. And it just, it was very frustrating to watch that one. Yeah. Because just if one guy would have just got in there, I mean, to, to make one play on the interior, Broncos win that game. And I, I really think that was the best team that Peyton Manning played with. <sighs> that 2012 team. Uh, I wasn't really on Twitter yet, but my sister took a picture of me after that game and I looked like I had just like lost a, a dog or something, you know, mm -hmm. just like vacant death stare. Um, she deleted that one because I was not happy about that because I, <laughs> I was I was in I was in my feelings, guys. I really needed help after that one. Yeah. Uh, EJ coming in saying Judy needs to live up to the great Bama receivers in the league right now. He is not one of them. I mean, I'd say any wide the only wide receiver drafted in the last excuse me, two wide receivers out of the last two draft that I would already categorize as great are Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. So he's got plenty of time to work it out there. Jalen Waddle, maybe he's bumping up against there because uh, he's he's really good as well. I think yeah. he's, man, I would kill to have Jalen Waddle on this team. But uh, yes, um, he's going to have to play better this year. He knows it. And he's not only playing for this Broncos team, he's playing for himself. Uh, Jerry Judah will have three occurred years in the NFL after that. Uh, he's definitely going to be thinking contract extension uh, after that as well because I think you can do it after three years in the league. Not that the Broncos will do that, but uh, if he wants to make, you know, that real money, which is that second contract, uh, he's going to have to play better and better statistically than he has his first two seasons. Not totally his fault, but, you know, people yeah. don't really care about the excuses. Right. I mean, people have put together videos showing how often Jerry Judy is open and the quarterback just never throws it his way. And and so some of it is himself. Like he has the drops. He's had the injuries. Uh, he's been a little bit inconsistent on some things, but at the same time, he's not always had the best situation either. You know, I mean, <laughs> Cortland Sutton is about the only wide receiver that has done well since Peyton Manning retired that I guess I shouldn't say that DT and Sanders both had thousand yard seasons, with but Simeon. I mean, they were, yeah, with Simeon, but I mean, it was pretty much, we're going to throw it to these two guys. We're going to ignore the rest of the team. If we're throwing, it's one of these two guys is getting the football. So they kind of force fed it a little bit there, but we got Phil coming back in again with more stars. Thank you, Phil saying. So PS2 is sidelined. Ojemudia goes in and gets burned by Patrick on the first play. Let's hope that is not the sign of the future for him. It's always a zero sum when it comes to OTAs, right? Because if one player is doing well on your team, it means one player is doing bad on your team, right? So we'll find out more about these guys when we have the combined uh, practices and preseason games. Uh, hopefully Ojemudia does better. Um, right now he's competing for that cornerback four spot with uh, Damari Mathis. I, before that play, I'd heard he'd been doing pretty well um, overall, and they were pretty happy about what he was doing, but got beat by Patrick on that one. Patrick's going to get his sometimes. I also think Justin Simmons has been beat a few times in the OTAs as well. I think Alberto Cuebanam uh, toasted him on, on a play. So uh, stuff you want to watch out for, but again, how much does it matter? I think uh, it was Vic Fangio last year who said, and I know quoting Vic Fangio is sacrilegious around these parts these days. Um, <laughs> but uh, he said like, how much does OTA really count in the assessment? He's like, Oh yeah, 2% or something like that, you know, next to nothing. So it's good to get the offensive installed, which Nathaniel Hackett said that they have it pretty much installed. Now, obviously they're gonna have to keep on working on it, but uh, definitely something to uh, consider there. Also this saying going from PS2 to Ojemudia 
that's not really a fair comparison. Sertan is one of the best young players in football, let alone cornerbacks. Um, looks like an emerging superstar. And Ojemudia looks like he could be a solid starter. Could be. Not there yeah. yet. So I, I saw they, they put out a list of the top 25 players under 25 right now in the league. And PS2 is not on it. He will be on that list next year. Unless he's injured, he's pretty much going to be on that list. Um, put together two great seasons. And he's going to emerge as one of those guys. But yeah, Ojemudia, one bad play. I'm not going to read too much into it. He is an aggressive player. You know, if you look at his rookie year, like it was kind of a make or break. It, it's going to be either a big play for him or a big play for somebody else. And so he he does take some chances. You got to live with the good and the bad, I guess, in those situations. And his rookie year, problem was when he had a good play, he still turned it into a bad play because he would drop an interception or something. He's got to clean some of that up. But um, one play yeah, against Patrick, who is actually a starting caliber wide receiver, a good number two in the league. I, I'm not worried about it. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you as well. We'll see how it plays out, um, but hope you're going to probably at some point this season rely on Ojemudia uh, to fill in for somebody. Um, just, just the nature of the game. So hopefully he'll play better, and uh, we'll see how that turns out. We got Dylan in the house saying, "Sup, Broncos country? Make sure you guys hit that like button on the way in and subscribe if you haven't already. Thanks, Dylan. Hope you're doing well. Also have Earl Thompson in the house saying, hello, Nick and Carl. To me, we are elite on both sides of the ball. Uh, we have a Super Bowl caliber team this year, and we have the players and coaching staff to make the big game. I think you're right, Earl. Uh, there are a lot of good teams though also, and uh, the AFC West is stacked. I think right now you just kind of have to have a, let's just get in the playoffs. And from there, we'll give it our best shot. We, the Broncos will give it their best shot uh, every time and um, we'll see how it plays out. But there's a lot of question marks on this Broncos team as well. Uh, so definitely on paper, they look like they have the roster to do it. But I wouldn't be too shocked if at the end of the year, you know, we're looking at this team, they're nine and eight. The defense kind of fell apart. The right side of the offensive line wasn't good enough. You had a few injuries here or there that they couldn't recover from. And uh, we're back to the drawing board. And the coaching staff looked overwhelmed. You know, it's just a lot of yeah. questions. That's the absolute, like, not the absolute, but that's like for, farther on the left side of the bell curve of like worst things that could happen this season. Uh, but it's it's in the realm of possibilities. So I definitely agree with you. Play, Super Bowl caliber, uh, but I wouldn't say a Super Bowl favorite. If you, I know this is kind of making you look at the entire NFL and this is kind of a big question, but if you were looking at just the rosters on paper, how many teams in this upcoming season would you say have a Super Bowl caliber roster? First, Jacob Foster, the silent one coming in here because we don't want to leave Jacob waiting. Thank you so much, Jacob, for the stars. We appreciate you always coming in. If you ever have a comment, we're here for you. Maybe he's yeah. writing it in white font. I don't know what's going on. No, Jacob, thank you so much. Um, it's just highlight it, then it'll show up. Uh, teams with would you say Super Bowl caliber rosters? Yeah. I would say that the Bills do for sure. Yeah. The Buccaneers do for sure. Mm -hmm. The Rams, I would still say yes. Yeah. The, I think the Chargers roster is more complete than the Chiefs, but the Chiefs have better coaching staff and quarterback. So that one's kind of weird. I guess I'll put the Chargers in there. Uh, the Bengals as well. I Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. 
Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Those are the teams that stick out to me. Uh, also, you have the Packers, who I think their defense is being really slept on. They have a really good defense. I know we don't know diddly about their weapons, but they still have Aaron Rodgers. Same offense there. And uh, I really think they have a top five defense entering this season. So maybe them as well. But I mean, Tampa Bay, Rams, Buffalo, Bengals, Chargers. Those are the ones that seem like the most rounded right now. Broncos are right there with them. It's just they have more question marks because of the coaching staff. Right. Okay. Um, Baltimore. I need to see what it looks like this year on offense for them. Um, they also fired Don uh, uh, Wink. Martin, Wink, yeah. Wink. Martindale. Martindale, yes. Don Wink, Martindale, whatever his name. Um, so there's going to be some questions there with what the defense looks like. On paper, they look really good, but I need to see Lamar Jackson pl- play from the pocket and play healthy as well. So they're up there. Cardinals? No. Nope. Don't trust their offensive line. Kyler Murray kind of tanks it the second half of the season. So does uh, um. Cliff Kingsbury. I wouldn't put the Cardinals there. I wouldn't put the 49ers there. Need to see what Trey Lance does. Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, who knows? I thought last year they were, they, I don't think they were a better team than the Cowboys or the Packers, but styles make fights. And I thought they matched up well uh, with those teams and beat them. And it's a single elimination game, right? Anything can happen in one game. Yeah. So I don't really think the 40, think that highly of the 49ers roster. Uh, they're very good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think, you know, we're talking about the upper tier, upper echelon. So the the number one seed AFC team from last year, Titans. I don't think so. Nope, okay. I think last year was a team that was playing above their head. Okay, all right. Those are, I mean, we're we're getting further and further out from yeah from definitely being in that conversation. But yeah, it's the Broncos are right there, like you said. But it is kind of AFC last year. I don't think the Bengals were the best AFC team in football last year. But they got hot at the right time, made the the right plays at the right time. You know, just all of a sudden turnovers started coming their way in the playoffs. And and sometimes that's exactly what, what you need. I mean, talking about that 2012 season with Baltimore, they were not the best team in the AFC. I, I wouldn't even put them top four that year. But yet, boom, here they are winning the Super Bowl that season. So, um, you know, Broncos, if they can stay healthy, they got as good a chance as about anybody out there for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Andrew Baker coming in double dipping today on the superstars. We appreciate you, Andrew saying, uh, well, what the hall we gave uh, up, is it just playoffs or bust or Super Bowl or bust? I think it's playoffs or bust this season um, with where this team is right now. Also with how the capital is set up uh, this roster is, I don't want to say it's as good as it's going to be over the next two or three seasons, but you're not going to have as much draft capital next season to deal with. You're not going to have as much salary cap space next year season to deal with. So this is a very good roster. The biggest question is going to be, uh, the, again, I keep coming back to it, the coaching staff. These guys are super green. A lot of guys that haven't done it before. It sounds like, I think it was a Tim Patrick press conference where he said that we're running an offense that's never been run before, where we're trying to mash together what Russell Wilson wants to do and what Nathaniel Hackett wants to do. What's that going to look like? I mean, we all kind of remember the Peyton Manning uh, pistol offense days, which were woof, <laughs> not great. So yeah. again, just not that it's going to be bad, but until I'm personally somebody who 
I need to see it to believe it. Um, so want to see what all that looks like. Want to make sure that these guys aren't over their head. I mean, if you guys recall, uh, I think it was, oh gosh, who's the Bengals head coach? It's not Matt LaFleur. It's, is he another LaFleur? Are there two LaFleurs here? I can't even remember. Yeah, there's two LaFleurs. Um, uh, the less no, good looking one. His. Anyway, LaFleur yeah. in Cincinnati. Um, he, uh, his first season, he brought in one of the youngest coaching staffs in football and they were not very good. Um, Zach Taylor at all. Zach Taylor, excuse me. There, there are two LaFleurs. The other one's like the offensive coordinator at the, uh, the Jets now or something. I digress. Um, Zach Taylor, you're 100% correct. Um, but his first year, he brought in one of the youngest coaching staffs in football, and they were bad. Um, not very good. That team was bad, and they made a lot of mistakes, and he f- they, they fired a lot of them and brought in more experience that second year. Not out of the question that happens this year for the Broncos, where there's a bunch of guys who prove to be a bit over in over their head and uh, are replaced by other guys. Right now, we're in the honeymoon phase because we don't have any reason to you know, question these guys. Uh, but the lack of data for me, uh, leads to me questioning them. That's just kind of how I'm hardwired. You got pumping the brakes there. Want to see it, but that's, that's the biggest question, uh, this season are the coaching is the coaching staff going to be ready to go to match up with how good this roster looks on paper. I'm trying to remember last time, a first time head coach won a super bowl his first year. I know like Kubiak came in his first year, but that wasn't his first time being a head coach. Yeah. So you got to keep that in mind there. It's, um, Oh, Seifert. There we go. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's this coaching staff's going to be the make or break. Really? I said the tackles earlier, but really the coaching staff, I think is the top question mark with this team. If they can be great, this team, the, the there's no limit to what they can be. If coaching staff has their struggles, they're going to lose a couple games that they maybe should have won. You know, we, we saw it with really any coach. I mean, the, the chargers last year, <laughs> they Staley, he made some, questionable calls especially in that the final game of the season he just said you know what i've been risky all year i'm going to continue down this risky path and and it cost him it cost him the playoffs and and so i guess you got to kind of live and live and die by some of that if that's going to be the style of coach that you're going to have and and we don't really know what hack it is yet he's never been given this kind of opportunity so is he going to be that huge risk taker that maybe it does win us a couple games or cost us a couple games or is he going to be conservative like we saw um with the last couple coaches with the Broncos. I, I don't know yet. Yeah. We're fixing to find out, right? Uh, Jay yeah. Kozad comes in with uh, something that I totally agree with as well. Um, saying I definitely like the new approach Hackett brings with the, the his enthusiasm. Uh, he's going to have to win at the end of the day, right? Bill Belichick doesn't get to be Bill Belichick unless he's got all the hardware and the rings to show off. Right. So it is a business at the end of the day. Um, there are certain lines that I don't, I think shouldn't be crossed no matter how good you are. Uh, unless you're talking about the Cleveland Browns, but I digress on that one. Uh, but um, the Hackett, I love the energy. I love like the dude. He seems super authentic and he's being himself and he's having a blast. Yeah. I'm really hoping it works out for him on this team because he seems like one of the mo- most down to earth, like genuine guys coaching right now. And it's super accessible too. Yeah. Um, we need to work in more stepbrothers quotes. I just think somebody needs to be lobbying him, you know, softball questions every time where he can finish with a, a stepbrothers quote or something, uh, just to lean into that corniness and joking. I still laugh um, about that first video where he's uh, going through a box in his garage. Like, Oh, should we bring this? It's like a foam noodle or something. He's like, I'm just effing with you camera guy. Just teasing him. Cause he's, he's seen ADD and I can uh, relate to that one. Uh, yeah. But again, we don't know what it's going to look like. So until we right. do, and there's going to be, there's going to be time. It's not going to be perfect. He's going to make some boneheaded calls, uh, whether in game flow or the challenges or things like that. It's inevitable. Every single coach does that. So I'm um, just going to have to learn with that. And we're going to 
hopefully learn more about him as he learns uh, along the way. And I'm interested to see how he handles first time there's a fight in practice mm. during training camp. You know, when those days get really long, is he going to get in the middle of that? Is he going to separate the players, have conversations with them I, just to see how he handles it? Last year, uh, this is, I think, one of the areas that Fangio failed at miserably. Mm -hmm. He had his favorites, and a lot of times he kind of just didn't care. Like he didn't go talk to some of the players. He, he would just sometimes just let it go and just hope that it would work itself out. And I think there's times you got to go have some real conversations and some tough conversations with those guys. And, uh, and so like I said, Hackett, he's got a long road ahead. Like I said, the energy is great. Got to love that. You got to love uh, when you were talking about Simmons getting beat by uh, Abaroko Oibanam the other day. And that Nathaniel Hackett talked about how he beat Simmons on a route in one of his press conferences. So, you know, again, that, that's kind of just cool to hear of a coach going out there, running these routes, playing middle linebacker at times, yelling at the defense, getting them all fired up, all those kind of things. Like it's great, but there's going to be some real world situations that pop up where he's got to really step in and, uh, and, and handle it and, and be that leader in those situations that sometimes it's not always buddy, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Definitely going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But he's got to be the uh, guy with authority. Um, but there's a difference between being the boss and being the leader. And right now it does seem like he's pulling himself uh, to being the leader. So that's uh, very good. Um, we, let's circle it back here to Draymond Jones um, and the interviews today. We also had Mike Purcell uh, take the podium as well. And uh, Draymond, or excuse me, uh, Bradley Chubb the other day as well. And Bradley Chubb's been brought up consistently um, by a lot of different people. Nathaniel Hackett's brought him up. Draymond Jones talked about it and uh, Mike Purcell. And it sounds like Bradley Chubb has been uh, the talk of camp over the last two OTAs. Uh, have you heard anything on that front as well? Yeah, it, it's, you look at the guy. He looks like he, you know, every player says, oh, I'm in the best shape of my life. He looks like he's really in that best shape of his life. He, he looks prepared. He looks focused for this year. He knows this is, I mean, this is a big year. It's a contract year for him. He's, he's got to go out there if he wants to have that five-year, $25 million a year kind of contract. Uh, maybe you can get up there to that $30 million. He's got to go out there, and I don't think he'll get to that, but uh, with one great season. It, it just shows this is huge for him, and he's taking it seriously. And I, I love that about him. I, I love that he is out there winning a lot of these reps, and he's just looking explosive. He's looking strong, uh, and the Broncos absolutely need him to play like he's that top-five pick that they – thought was going to be that franchise cornerstone piece after Von Miller moved on hasn't lived up to it doesn't mean he can't still do that moving forward yeah and he doesn't have to be Von Miller to be a great player uh this season so really excited for him he might end up being you know we I think it was a couple weeks ago maybe Scott and I talked about it but it was like the top three players on the Broncos team the most valuable players uh they listed as a uh, number one being Russell Wilson duh number two, two I think they said was Justin Simmons number three Patrick Sertan I think there's more question right now with Justin Simmons. Not that Justin Simmons isn't incredible and one of the best safeties in football. There's just only so much value and impact a safety can have compared to some other positions. It's the reason that they get paid less than other positions, right? It's just the economics of football. Um, and if Bradley Chubb plays as well as they're hyping him up to be right here and lives up to that fifth overall draft slot, has promised as he looked as promising as he looked after his rookie season, Pro Bowl in 2020, uh, on an offense or on a team this year where the offense actually is reputable is that the word for formidable um where he can actually pin his ears back in the fourth quarter sometimes and get after it uh he could be in line for a massive season that would be a good thing for the broncos it obviously put them in a somewhat of a conundrum him being uh, on his last year of his contract um 
also the fact that he's had so many injuries. You're going to pay him a big deal. All these questions that are good questions to have because it means he played well, uh, but ones that we're going to have to solve regardless uh, going forward. But uh, really excited to hear that Bradley Chubb has been wrecking practices um, consistently. Uh, do you put much weight into that, or is that uh, somewhat of a more of a concern about the offensive line depth uh, that they're putting out there? I'm not too concerned because they, they still don't have pads on yet. Like they're kind of in shells at this point. They they are allowed to get physical with each other, but it's still not quite what what you'll see in training camp and even beyond that to preseason and then obviously into the season. But uh, so I'm not going to read too much into it. I, I do know what he can be though. Yeah. We've seen some of the the peak moments of, of Bradley Chubb, so we we know he can be a dominant player. I, I don't question that he is surprising or not surprising some people, but getting people excited for this upcoming season. Throw in, you know, this is his first off season where he's not injured going into it and having to do all this rehab and everything else. Like he's really just getting ready for the season. And that's just, I'm excited for that. And I loved, that was part of like Draymond Jones talking as well. And I think Bradley Chubb's in the same boat of, they ask him what he's going to do with this time off before they get to the training camp once these mandatory camps are over. And he said, I'm going to go work out every day. I'm going to get ready for the season. Like that, that's his focus for the, this month off. And uh, to have that kind of mindset just shows where this team's at compared to years past, you know, in the past, it was kind of like, Oh, let's take our month off. Let's go get our mind, right. Let's go on these vacations. No, this team's going, we, we got something special here. We got to do something. Yep. Got to take care of it. Got to get it done. And this is an interesting comment here from uh, Jay Kozad uh, says, uh, unfortunately for Hackett, he gets no learning curve this season we're maxed out on the national games and we got Russell. So pretty much saying that it is, you know, playoffs are bust and, uh, you know, high gear immediately, you know, of the drag races where they boop, boop, boop with the, whatever those are, the, the really long cars with the parachutes out of the back. I'm yeah. obviously very versed in my <laughs> racing terminology. I watch a lot of races on, huh? uh, yep. Exactly. You know what I was talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, do you think that a should Nathaniel Hackett get somewhat of a, what did we tell you? We said last year with George Payton, he gets a first year learning curve uh, where he has to really take it into gear year two. Does, does Hackett get the same benefit or is that something where he pretty much has to be on his game day one? I think he has to be on his game day one. When, when you make as big of yeah. a trade as you do for Russell Wilson, if you don't make the playoffs, there, there's going to be some questioning of, was this the right hire? You know, do we, should we have gotten a veteran coach for this kind of team? When you are really trying to push for the, that Super Bowl, you don't have that time to wait to to see this guy develop as a coach, unfortunately. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, I I don't think he gets the same bit of the doubt as George Payton at this point. I think you're right. And the big difference is you got the quarterback now. Um, if mm-hmm. Nathaniel Hackett would have come in here and it was the Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke, I guess we'll use the word experience <laughs> once again, uh, then yeah. he'd definitely be given a lot more uh, margin for error this season kind of figuring out as it went along, but the stakes are higher. And we mentioned it earlier, you know, Russell Wilson's probably going to get a big contract after this year. Um, don't ask Mike Kliss what it's going to be because who knows how that goes down, <laughs> uh, but sorry, Mike. Oh, I like Mike, but that was God. I, I roll on that one, uh-huh. but um, yeah, no, it's a, and then also you're not, have, you're going to have back-to-back years without first round picks, not many picks in the top 100. Your cap space is going to be compressed. Some we've already talked about uh Bradley Chubb and Draymond Jones, both guys that are going to be due for big contracts. Can't tag both of them. I don't know if you can pay both of them either. So that's going to be a really tough decision. Two guys that I 
enjoy their game tremendously. You know how much I love defensive line play. Uh, yep. Both those guys, you know, strong players, good, uh, good pressure players. So will be interesting, but uh, I think, I think Jay's right. I don't think Hackett's going to get much of a learning curve. Um, well, let's dabble in darkness a little bit, Carl. Uh, what has to go wrong this season for the point where we're talking about a year, f- you know, I guess 10 months from now, Hackett's got to go that kind of thing. <laughs> I think if you finish under 500, there's going to be some real conversation because you're going, you brought in Russell Wilson and that would probably mean you're winning seven or eight games tops. Obviously, if you have a losing season, mm-hmm. you didn't increase your win total by adding one of the best quarterbacks in football. That's not a great look. No, you're kind of going, okay, you're, you're not much better than, than Fangio at this point. And we just fired this guy and everybody wanted him out of town. Uh, so I think if he doesn't have a winning season, like if you, you can be nine and eight, miss the playoffs and just be like, okay, we're right on that edge. We had so many new pieces and everything else. We can get another couple wins after this. I, I could see that, you know, or if there are, as us Dave says, injury bugs, like if you have some players go down, it, it's kind of understandable. If you yeah. lose Russell Wilson for a five game stint. Yeah. Th- th- there's going to be some struggles. Josh mm-hmm. Johnson's not coming in there dominating and holding down the ship for the Broncos unfortunately. Um, but yeah. so, yeah, I'd say if you have a losing season and there's not all those injuries, if Russell Wilson plays every single game, th- there's gotta be a problem there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, if injuries happen, we can have a different conversation, but I think it is above 500 or bust and definitely closer to playoff or bust in my opinion. So we'll see how it plays out. And Zebulon with a good comment here. Um, so Zebulon Omega, Kevin Lind over on Facebook saying uh, Chubb was a wrecking Joe Staley a few years ago in preseason. Uh, I was so hyped after that, and it's just been disappointing ever since. Hopefully he gets back into that form. Um, as you guys know, I've been to seven Broncos games, and I've seen seven Broncos losses in my life. But I was at uh, my the only game I've ever been to in Denver was Bradley Chubb's rookie season, I believe, where he had that three-sack game against Andrew Whitworth. And they were that was a great game um, by uh, Bradley Chubb. So he's, he's had some great games. The big issue is just staying healthy. Uh, the fact that he is healthy this offseason for the first time since his rookie season, I think, is probably the only time ever. Um, yeah. You could expect a good season. Now, again, to expect him to come out and be Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, Von Miller, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, caliber edge rusher, pump the brakes there. But if he can be in that, you know, top eight to 15 pass rushers in football this season, he's a, he's going to make himself a bleep ton of money and B the Broncos pass rush is going to be significantly better this year. So hopefully he can be back to that form team needs him. And uh, his uh, family would probably be happy about that too. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. Th- those kind of names, Andrew Whitworth probably should be in the hall of fame for the kind of career that he's had. And mm-hmm. just the longevity as well. I'm not saying longevity plays into completely the picture, but um, that guy's been dominant. And then Joe Staley, another one, uh, still the best play against Joe Staley was DeMarcus Ware, the fake spin. <laughs> yeah. that, that was incredible. And, but if you can beat Joe Staley, you can beat about anybody in the NFL. And Bradley Chubb, I, I believe that. He can beat about anybody when he wants to, when he's healthy and at that full strength. And so, and I, I'm really hoping that they can really feature him in this defense. I think that was one of the problems with the Fangio defense at times was, a lot of times he was trying to do a little bit too much up front at times where guys weren't getting into position to go actually go make a sack. Um, and sometimes his edge guys didn't actually do as good as his interior guys when it came to pressure. He's really almost featuring the inside, interior guys more than the out exterior guys. And I know Von Miller had some problems with it where he wasn't always liking what he was doing, where he's kind of almost like crashing down, trying to take out some offensive linemen. 
so somebody else could come around the edge. Um, I'm not saying that's wrong because obviously Fangio is an intelligent defensive coordinator and knows what he's doing. I'm just saying I think it can deter away from some of your more talented players at times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of circling back on that though, we do, you talked about Vic Fangio, not um, putting the pass rusher specifically in spots to go make uh, stats or earn stats, I guess. Uh, and uh, we did have Mike Purcell asked about that, asking about the difference uh, with the likes of uh, Vic Fangio and Azir Evero. And uh, he said that uh, the schemes, it's very similar defense, a lot of terminology and the way we play certain blocks, it's, going to be a little different but it's very similar to me and it's an easy transition terminology different but again very similar so uh probably going to be a similar structure up front i do think that um the raheem morris and the oh god i cannot remember the blitz ha- blitz happy defensive coordinator that uh Ajira evero worked under um but you're probably going to see a lot more of uh, different kind of exotic looks um from the pass rush rather than this more static which you saw from vic fangio but some of that is going to be the fact that defense especially the run defense should be more stout this year on paper knock on wood and uh, you should be able to play with a lead a little bit more where teams aren't just trying to bludgeon you to death and drain the uh take the air out of the ball so to speak so hopefully all of that will lead itself to more exotic looks and uh better pass rush situations even if the scheme is pretty much the same right and you got to feel really good about the secondary as well like Mm -hmm. one of the the most known quantities of this team is that secondary Yep. You know, you got at least two or three good cornerbacks, one really great cornerback, obviously. You got at least two good safeties, another Caden Stearns that looked pretty darn good in his limited snaps last year. And you added a few other pieces to that secondary already through the draft and free agency as well. And uh, so you, you feel good about their ability to hold up. So you can take some chances every once in a while. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Well, guys, uh, we're going to start wrapping it up here. Um, we have Michael Ronquillo coming in here saying, great show tonight, Nick and Carl on building the Broncos. Let's ride and go Broncos. Let's go, Michael. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Um, we also have Jeff saying uh, there'd be no coaching candidates to replace Hackett uh, if the Broncos fired Hackett after one season. Not true. Um, this is a lot of people want to come in and work with George Payton. A lot of people would want to come in and work with Russell Wilson. So uh, somebody would want to come in here. And also there's only 32 head coaching spots. Somebody's going to want to take take it. It's not like a total rebuild, devoid of talent, no win situation, kind of like what's been going on with the Houston Texans roster for, uh, for the past couple of seasons, where it feels like they've been hiring sacrificial lambs at the spot. But we're talking very, uh, very unlikely situation. And I think it would have to be almost a mutiny level issues in the locker room or incompetence uh, with coaching staff for George Payton to move on from Hackett after one season. It just does not seem like that's, in George Payton's blood to do that. Uh, I right. think George Payton would put the onus on himself before Hackett, unless he had players coming up to him saying like, listen, the bits not we're done. So <laughs> I, I think this is, you know, we're just talking very unlikely hypotheticals. I think it's going to work out pretty well. He's going to make mistakes this year. Hackett uh, speaking about Hackett, but I think it's going to be fine this year. Big question is how quickly can they get this hybrid Russell Wilson slash Nathaniel Hackett offense running? How good is that? What does it look like? How effective is it? We don't know. Right. Yeah. It's one of those, like I said, when you're looking back at that 2015 season with Kubiak and Peyton Manning, Kubiak should have just said, I've got maybe one of the, I mean, to me, he's the best quarterback that's ever played. I know Tom Brady has the, has the hardware. I still think Peyton Manning was better. He should have just said, Peyton, whatever you want to do, you do it, buddy. This is, this is your offense. I'm just here to be the head coach and be here as a sounding board. 
maybe run a few things of mine, but not a whole lot. He should have done that from the very beginning. Yeah. And like I said, that hybrid pistol offense, it just was, it was terrible. <laughs> and you kind of saw where Peyton was getting frustrated there at the end of the season, you know, when he's coming back from injury and he's in their training facility and he's flipping off the camera, pretty much flipping off Kubiak at that point uh, because he wasn't letting them play and get back on the field. But I'm hoping that's not what we see here. I'm hoping he doesn't try to force him where, Hey, I know you hate to throw over the middle, but you're going to throw over the middle. Cause that's what we did with Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, but we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yep. <sighs> Absolutely. Uh, Gary Leeds Palmer coming in with the stars, uh, saying I'll watch after. Sorry. I missed you guys. It's all good, Gary. I appreciate you running in here and, uh, saying hello. Um, we also have diamond Rattler coming in saying, boom, let's ride diamond just as we're getting out of here, but hope you're doing well. And uh, final question here, unless we got some uh, super chat superstars coming in um, it's from Chase Walner. Do you guys think Peyton Manning will take an advisory role with Walt? Let's just kind of any owner, um, any owner. Would do you think Peyton Manning would take an advisory role? I, I guess where, where's the, what, what's the purpose of it for him? I guess where's the incentive right now. He's making tons of money with ESPN doing his Monday night spiel with his brother obviously doing all of his advertisements out there. He's making a lot of money. Like you're going to have to make it worth his time to give up some of that, to be pretty much here exclusively with the Broncos. I'm not sure if that's worth it to him, unless you're saying, okay, you're going to get a little bit of an ownership stake with the team. We're going to give you 5% of the team, 2% of the team. I mean, 2% would be pretty darn good money right I was there. Say, like, sign me up. <laughs> 1%, give me, give me a half percent. But, um, but like I said, it's going to have to be worth his time. I think he likes a lot of what he has with the freedom of, you know, he can do his Monday night thing, but he can still go out and do a lot of other things that he wants to do. And I think I really do think he values his freedom. I think that you are underselling his competitive nature a tad where he's not going to be able to compete like he did as a quarterback in almost any realm besides working in the front office side of things. So that's something that I would consider there. It's something that John Elway talked about a lot. Also wanting to get back into the game is just looking for different ways to compete in this thing that he loves. So I think that's something uh, that you do have to consider not, not speaking for Peyton Manning, obviously, but uh, definitely uh, a factor. And the last one is this advisory role in the front office or whatever could be a stepping stone into that front office world where he could become a team president or a general manager later on. Uh, obviously George Payton is King in Denver right now, even though somebody else is going to be signing the checks. George Payton is the face of the Broncos. As far as I'm concerned, even with Russell Wilson here, that's how incredible George Payton has been in one season, which is amazing uh, for a general manager. But um, I think that's the most likely thing. I, th I think I agree with you in the end. I think he would probably wait for an opportunity where he's, going to have a chance to grow and not be capped somewhat like he would be with George Payton here. Uh, but um, definitely something to consider. And uh, no matter what, I'm going to be pulling for Payton, man. I just hope he does not land in the AFC West. Cause that's my yeah. dude. I love Peyton. <laughs> right. And I, I think the Broncos could figure out something. I mean, obviously yeah. Ellis is on his way out. Yeah. Elway's on his way out. So there, there's a void there in that leadership at the very, very top. And Peyton could be, like you said, intrigued by that oppor opportunity but where is that with Peyton? Uh, not okay. Yeah. Peyton Manning and George, George Peyton. Peyton. There we GP, go. PM. Yeah. GP. He, like I said, he is that face of the franchise. How much is he wanting to give over some of the control over to Peyton Manning? I think he'd be willing to give up some. I, I just think 
he's kind of a little bit of a, not a control freak, but I think he really likes being there at the top and getting to make all the big decisions. It'd be hard for him to want to give that up. And I, I don't want him to give it up because he's doing a great job. Yeah. Small sample size, but so far, man, it's been nearly straight A's. Uh, so guys, I think that's going to wrap it up. Speaking about uh, voids there, Carl, I feel a little void in my stomach and uh, need a little bit of <laughs> dinner. It's dinner time. So appreciate you guys coming in here. Uh, make sure you are following Carl and I on Twitter. Carl is at Carl Dumbler MHH and I am at Nick Kendall MHH. Also follow our accounts at BTB football pod, as well as at mile high huddle. If you haven't done so yet, make sure you check out the channel or the, uh, the merch page at huddleuppod.com. Check out the gear there. You obviously have all the, the football priests uh, caricature uh, stuff there. That's uh, pretty fun. I've enjoyed seeing Chad dress up his uh, youngling in, uh, in those outfits as well. Um, also, we got all the hats as well as, you know, Summer's coming, guys. You know what we say? We say melanoma in the South. So make sure you're protecting your hat. I know we got some male pattern, pattern bar- baldness in here. Chad's shiny marble did not make an appearance today, but cover up that shiny marble. Check out the gear there. We got all the, the hats. Also, make sure you're following us at Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle. And as the ticker says on the bottom, please on your way out. Not everybody's in a position to contribute financially to the show. That's totally fine. But if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe and like to the Huddle Up podcast in Mile High Huddle on YouTube. And also share this to, uh, to your social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you are. Um, we'd appreciate that. So um, we're going to get on out of here. Please saying I'm getting ready for that $5 gas. Baby, where are you, man? Send me your location. I'm coming for that cheaper gas. Um, we appreciate you. Uh, Carl, what's the rest of your night looking like? Well, if it's not raining right now, I might get my, my run in for the evening. I, okay. It's either that or... Maybe I need to mow. I guess I should probably do that first. Uh, yeah, adulting you know. sinks. How old are the kids? Nine, seven, and five. The nine-year-old's ready. That's the, the, <laughs> I don't know. I have no, I have no kids. I have no experience there. But um, He's all right, guys. Close. He's getting close. Well, yeah. Good. Good. Um, all right. Well, guys, we're going to get on out of here. Um, check us out on Scott's channel tomorrow to make sure you're back in the morning for a uh, Kim Becker's show. And also it'll be my high insiders tomorrow night. So uh, we'll see you guys very soon. You guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. Choose kindness, choose compassion. Go Broncos. You've been listening to building the Broncos. Join Broncos country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.